Welcome, and thank you for joining the Cass County Health Department HealthCast. Our HealthCast is here to bring discussion and awareness to the services that we offer here at the Cass County Health Department, as well as ongoing and current issues in women's health. My name is Hillary Kelly, and I am with Louise Yale. We are both health educators here at the Cass County Health Department, and with that introduction, why don't we just jump right in with our very first topic this week. It's Louise here, and with today's uh, HealthCast, we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about one of the largest and probably most preventable de- diseases that Americans face is diabetes. November is Diabetes Awareness Month, so it is pretty important that we bring forth information to our community about this disease we seem to be facing more and more each day. There has been a lot more awareness brought to the table on this disease in the recent years because of the increasing number of in- individuals we're seeing being diagnosed as diabetic or pre-diabetic. So here are some stats and facts that are from the Center of Disease Control, or the CDC, um, on diabetes as of September of 2022. So here is the big picture. More than 37.3 million people in the United States have diabetes, and and one in five of them don't know they even have it. Uh, 96 million U.S. adults age 18 years or older are pre-diabetic, and more than 8 in 10 of them don't know they have it as well. Diabetes is the seventh leading cause of death in the United States, and this may be underreported, so we haven't seen a lot of those stats on that, but right now it's the seventh leading cause of death. Type 2 diabetes accounts for approximately 90 to 95% of all diagnosed cases of diabetes, while type 1 diabetes accounts for approximately 5 to 10%. And then in the last 20 years, the number of adults diagnosed with diabetes have more than doubled as the American population has aged and become more overweight or obese. The cost of diabetes is pretty significant and kind of outstanding in some cases. So medical costs and lost work and wages for people with diagnosed diabetes totals $327 billion yearly. And the medical costs for people with diabetes are twice as high as for people who don't have diabetes. So those are some pretty staggering numbers and statistics that we last reported at the end of September from the CDC. So what is diabetes? You're all probably asking. Uh, Diabetes is a chronic or long-lasting health condition that affects how your body turns food into energy. So when you ingest or eat food, your body breaks it down into a sugar called glucose and releases it into your bloodstream. So when your blood sugar goes up from eating food, it signals your pancreas, which is a gland found in your abdominal region, to release a hormone called insulin. And this insulin acts like a key to open up channels or holes to let this blood sugar into your body's cells to be used for energy. When you have diabetes, your body doesn't make enough insulin or can't use it as well as it should. When there isn't enough insulin or your cells in your body stop responding to that insulin, too much sugar starts to stay in your bloodstream and builds up. So over time, this buildup of sugars in your bloodstream can affect other parts of your body, causing some major health problems such as heart disease, vision loss, uh, kidney disease, and even more uh, cause amputations of the limbs, especially your lower limbs such as your feet and your legs. So the first and most common thing that happens to your body with the sugar buildup is weight gain. The body takes those sugars and stores them as fat on the body to be used later on, But if it isn't used over time, more and more weight is gained and fat is distributed onto the body. There are various classifications of diabetes. So the first, there are uh, different ones called pre-diabetes, type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and then gestational diabetes, which we'll go over each a little bit more in detail 
uh, during this health cast. So first, how do you determine if you are pre-diabetic or have diabetes fully? So in order to determine if you have diabetes of any type, you will need to get a blood sugar test to find out. So one of the following tests will determine your blood sugar levels and help you to confirm. The first test that you would be able to do would be what is called an A1C test. So the A1C measures your average blood sugar level over the past three months. This test measures the percentage of your red blood cells that have sugar-coated hemoglobin, which is a protein that we all have in our blood. An A1C below 5.7% is normal. Between 5.7 and 6.4% indicates you have prediabetes, and 6.5% and higher indicates you have diabetes. So another test you might do to check for diabetes is a fasting sugar test. Uh, This test measures your blood sugar after an overnight fast or not eating overnight, usually about 12 hours. Um, A fasting blood sugar level of 99 milligrams per deciliter or lower is normal. 100 to 125 milligrams per deciliter indicates you have prediabetes, and 126 milligrams per deciliter or higher indicates that you have diabetes. Another test that is not quite as common for testing diabetes is the glucose tolerance test, where your blood sugar is measured before and then after drinking a liquid that contains glucose. Now, this is done more for pregnant women, which pregnant women, which Hillary will talk a little bit more later on. Uh, but this one you'll have to do after an overnight fast, uh, you know, not eating after a certain period of time. Usually it's about 12 hours. Then you'll have your blood drawn before drinking the liquid. Then again, after drinking the glucose liquid, um, up to one, one to three hours up afterwards. Um, At two hours, a blood sugar level of 140 milligrams per deciliter or lower is considered normal. 140 to 199 milligrams per deciliter indicates you have prediabetes. And 200 milligrams per deciliter or higher indicates that you have diabetes. Now, the last test that you might be done, and again is a little more or less common, common, is a random blood sugar test. This measures your blood sugar at the time that you're tested. This can be done at any time and without any fasting. Um, If your sugar levels read 200 milligrams per deciliter or higher, it indicates that you have diabetes. This might be done more in like an emergency situation rather than a standard routine test. Now, if you get your results and they are within the range of being pre-diabetic or have diabetes, depending on your reading, your doctor might do a couple things. If the readings are borderline or not real, real high, they might tell you to do some lifestyle changes to see if it would bring the numbers down and then recheck them again in about six months. Especially if the readings are, you know, the first ones that you get high or um, borderline there. If it gets to be where your readings are consistently higher after so many blood tests and you're experiencing some other health issues or symptoms with it, then you might be prescribed some medication along with some suggestions for lifestyle changes to get those numbers lower. Each doctor will be a little bit different, so it varies on what they recommend, and they will tell you these numbers in a little bit more detail. All right, so let's start with talking about what prediabetes is. Prediabetes is a very serious health condition or health concern that that many should be be aware about. Most individuals don't even know that they are prediabetic. Looking back at the statistics earlier, 96 million U.S. adults have prediabetes, where one in three of people more than 80%, 80% don't even know that they have it. And that is just U.S. adults. They are starting to find that more and more young adults, adolescents, and children are being pre-diabetic as well. Pre-diabetes is when your blood sugar levels are higher than the normal range or expectable range, but not quite high enough to be diagnosed as type 2 diabetes. 
This is when the pancreas makes too much insulin because there's too much sugar in your bloodstream, triggering more insulin to be produced so it can get into your body's cells and be used up as energy. So eventually your pancreas can't keep up with producing this insulin and your blood sugar rises. With this excess of sugar, your body has to store it somewhere so it stores it as body fat and can also affect the liver, the kidneys, your heart, um, your eyes, and also your circulation. Individuals can have prediabetes for years and have no clear symptoms, so it is very often that it goes undetected until some more serious health issues occur, such as type 2 diabetes. So it's very important to make sure you keep up with your routine wellness visits and blood testing to make sure you catch it early if you're at risk. There are risk factors for prediabetes that everyone should be aware of and include the following. Uh, Being overweight, uh, being 45 years or older, having a parent, brother, or sister with type 2 diabetes, uh, being sedentary or not active, or those that do not exercise at all, uh, ever having gestational diabetes, like such during pregnancy, or giving birth to a baby who weighed over 9 pounds, which Hillary will go again into detail later on, and then race and ethnicity, those that are African Americans, Hispanic or Latino Americans, American Indians, Pacific Islanders, and some Asian Americans are at a higher risk. So I mentioned a little earlier that prediabetes can lead into what we know as type 2 diabetes. Uh, This chronic illness, if not managed or controlled, can lead to some very serious health issues that we want our listeners to know about so that they can avoid. Type 2 diabetes is when the pancreas produces more insulin than the body can use because of the high high levels of sugar in the blood. It's trying to get the sugar into the the blood, into uh, the body cells, but the cells can't use it and become resistant to it. So because of these high levels of sugar in the blood, the pancreas eventually can't keep up and it stores the sugar on the body as fat, hence a person gaining weight. Type 2 diabetes, if not managed, controlled, or reversed, can lead to some very serious health issues, issues, which we'll talk about here. So the first one is heart disease. Um, It can lead to having high blood pressure, high cholesterol issues, uh, narrowing of of the arteries, um, heart attacks, and possibly even strokes. Um, you can develop kidney disease, um, and your kidney is used to filter your blood out of your and toxins out of your body. So if that doesn't function, you can't get all these toxins out. Um, you can have liver problems, such as a fatty liver, so your liver doesn't metabolize what you intake. You can have a lot of nerve damage. Um, this can cause losing feeling or tingling in the feet and fingers. You can also have eye damage, which can lead to cataracts, glaucoma, and possibly even blindness. Uh, foot damage, which you, a lot of people probably know of, but you can have nerve nerve damage because of poor blood flow. And then you could possibly, like I said, have earlier uh, amputations because of that. And then a lot of skin infections. Uh, Your body can't heal cuts, sores, and bruises as quickly, so you have open infections. You can have some hearing loss. um, You can have depression and also some sexual dysfunction. These two types of diabetes, pre and type 2, are mostly contributed to and developed by poor diet and lifestyle choices. Um, Eating a lot of sugary and highly processed foods along with lack of exercise and physical activity will contribute to developing diabetes. Um, With eating too much sugar, it builds up in the bloodstream and causes an overload of the pancreas like we discussed earlier. And then if you are not using that sugar with physical activity or exercise, it will continue to build up along with the poor eating habits until you start to see those serious health effects. Now, type 1 diabetes varies to the other types of diabetes that we just talked about in one big way. So type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune system disease. So this is when the body attacks and destroys the insulin-producing cells, 
in your pancreas and it can't produce insulin or it makes too little of it. And again, without that insulin, blood sugar can't get into your cells to be used and therefore builds up into the bloodstream. Type 1 diabetes is also called insulin-dependent or juvenile diabetes. You usually see it more in children, teens, and young, young adults, but it can happen at any age. Um, some people have the certain genes that make them more likely to develop it or have that type 1 diabetes, but there are quite a few people that go on in life without developing diabetes, even if they have the genes. Um, family history plays a big part in the development of type 1 diabetes, um, but it also can be triggered uh, by the environment, such as a virus. Um, it also may play a part in developing it. This is the type that is not affected by diet and lifestyle, unlike pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes. For those that have type 1 diabetes, they manage it by taking insulin shots or wearing an insulin pump that gives them the appropriate amount of insulin to help their body to get blood sugar into their cells. There are signs and symptoms of diabetes of all the stages to be familiar with, so if you display them, you can get checked out. So here are the various signs and symptoms to keep an eye out for. Uh, urinating frequently, um, at night especially, like children wetting the bed for the young children there. Um, increased thirst and hunger. Losing weight without even trying, or if you're even eating more. That's more of a type 1 diagnosis or symptom there. Uh, blurred vision. Um, numbness or tingling in the hands or feet, that's more of a type 2 uh, symptom there, a sign. Feeling weak or tired. Uh, frequent unexplained infections, and especially for women, more yeast infections or urinary tract infections. And then slow healing sores or cuts all over your body. So those are the symptoms you want to look out for. Um, if you're experiencing these symptoms, it would be a good idea to get your blood sugar checked by your doctor, physician, or your health clinic. So there are many lifestyle choices that can be made to help prevent, manage, and possibly reverse diabetes for many individuals, especially those that are, that are pre-diabetic or type 2 diabetic classification. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease, and the only way to manage is by taking insulin for, um, by some of those. But some of these suggestions and lifestyle choices can help those with type 1 diabetes to live very healthy and with hopes of not having to take too much insulin. Many of these recommendations are lifestyle choices that, when made, even if they are small, can make a big difference. So the first one is take your medications according to your doctor, especially for type 1 and type 2. Uh, make sure you're monitoring your blood glucose levels at home if you're asked and know what range you should be in. You want to maintain or try to get to a healthy weight. Even a small weight loss can make or help reduce these symptoms or reduce your risk. Eating a healthy diet, eating fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, uh, whole grains, and healthy fats in the right amounts. You want to stay away from processed foods as much as possible. Uh, limited, limiting added sugar or sugar-filled food items, you know, finding alternatives. You want to limit your food items with a lot of salt. This can raise your blood pressure, which can affect your blood sugars as well. Um, you want to exercise, getting at least 30 minutes a day. Uh, five times a week for a total of 150 minutes per week. And this can be as simple as just walking outside. You can be find lots of different ways to exercise. You want to drink plenty of water and stay away from sugary drinks. Uh, manage your stress. Man uh, if you have a lot of stress, this can lead to high blood pressures and elevate your, your blood sugar levels as well. And then see and speak to your doctor regularly to monitor and watch for changes that need to be made or if there's any kind of complications. Diabetes is especially important for women to recognize because it hits them harder in the long run if not managed properly. Uh, heart disease is the most common complication with diabetes. 
Uh, the increased risk of heart disease in women is four times compared to that of men, which is two times, with women potentially having worse outcomes after a heart attack if it happens. So women also have a higher risk of other diabetes-related complications, such as blindness, kidney disease, and depression. So most women will get a vaginal yeast or urinary tract infection at some point in their lives. It all kind of happens to us. But women with diabetes are at a higher risk, especially if their blood sugars are higher. High blood sugar levels can cause poor circulation, which reduces your body's ability to fight infections. And then women with diabetes sometimes have bladders that don't empty all the way, creating a perfect environment for bacteria to grow. So women, to prevent yeast infections and UTIs, women should keep their blood sugar levels close to their target range as much as possible. You want to drink lots of water, wear cotton underwear, and urinate often instead of waiting until your bladder is completely full. Changes in hormone levels right before and during your menstrual cycle can make blood sugar levels hard to predict, so it's particularly important to track during that time of the month for women. Women may have longer or heavier periods along with food cravings, making it a little bit harder sometimes to manage the diabetes. Keeping track of your blood sugar levels and checking often is really important to manage along with speaking with your doctor about adjustments that can be made with medications and insulin during that time frame. Sexual dysfunction is another health concern with diabetes, and it can happen to both men and women. Along with maybe lack of interest in sex, women have possibility to deal with vaginal dryness, which could make intercourse uncomfortable or even painful. Some of the causes of this could be nerve damage, uh, reduced blood flow, medications, or hormonal changes. So you want to make sure you speak with your doctor about these effects and what can be done to reduce them. For women that have diabetes and would like to get pregnant, planning ahead is very important. Diabetes can make it harder to get pregnant and high blood sugar can increase your risk for preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure, delivery by cesarean section or C-section, or miscarriage or stillbirth, which is more on the rare occasion if your diabetes is pretty out of control. So this is a good leeway into what gestational diabetes is, and Hillary will talk more about that. Thanks, Louise. So gestational diabetes, um, this is a relatively commonly known disorder for women to experience in their pregnancies, and it often comes as a surprise Mm -hmm. to a lot of new moms, but gestational diabetes is a glucose intolerance that occurs during pregnancy, and it most likely presents like type 2 diabetes. Um, The one thing about it is that it does respond very well to dietary modifications and treatment. Gestational diabetes occurs in an estimated 9% of all pregnancies in the United States. And while the data shows that moms with gestational diabetes are less likely to breastfeed based on the lactation complications that can occur following a birth, breastfeeding is highly encouraged to these women because lactation improves maternal metabolism of glucose and it may prevent type 2 diabetes following the pregnancy. Support is essential for the best possible outcomes for the mom and the baby. And I think that, you know, while, while women are always needing support in pregnancy, when they do have a complication like gestational diabetes like this, it kind of goes back to what you were saying you know, during menstruation. Your hormones and cravings and these things are occurring pretty commonly in pregnancy. So support people can really help with food control. Yeah. Um, Food control is essential in managing yeah. diabetes. Well, so. I think like, yeah, too, like we were talking about, like you have all these cravings probably during pregnancy or mm-hmm. before pregnancy or like during your menstrual cycle. So you just want to eat. And yeah. I think a lot of women um, 
I'm not saying all, obviously, but women, they kind of forget what they should eat during pregnancy because they just want to eat everything. Yes, very <laughs> so much it's, so. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, important, especially if you have, you know, these family history of possibly diabetes that you're, you're kind of watching your food intake during every step of the way of pregnancy. Yes, very true. And most of the time people think that they're eating for two. That's a really common saying, but it's not necessarily true. Your mm-hmm. caloric intake is very minimal. So testing for gestational diabetes is <laughs> uh, another thing that a lot of women who have previously been pregnant always kind of dread at that point in their obstetric care, but it is the glucose test. So if you're at an average risk of gestational diabetes, you will likely have that screening during your second trimester, so somewhere between 24 and 28 weeks. If you're at a higher risk for gestational diabetes, for example, if you are overweight or if you were, you know, it's in your family, then you probably will be experiencing that test sooner in your pregnancy or maybe even early and late. So So screening tests may vary slightly depending on your healthcare provider, but they do all generally include that initial glucose challenge test. So you'll drink a syrupy glucose solution, an hour later, you'll have a blood test to measure your blood sugar level. So if your blood sugar level is higher than expected, then you'll need another glucose intolerance test to determine if you have gestational diabetes. Um, I've intentionally left the glucose level numbers out because they can vary from clinic to clinic and your personal situation. So follow-up glucose tolerance testing, um, this test is similar to the initial test. So once you get your initial glucose challenge test back showing that it's highly likely that you do have gestational diabetes, you're going to do the follow-up test. This sweet solution will have even more sugar and your blood sugar will be checked every hour for three hours. So if at least two of the blood sugar readings are higher than expected, you will then be diagnosed with gestational diabetes. So what if you find out, yes, I am pregnant, but I'm also diabetic, or you find out that, surprise, you do have gestational diabetes, who manages your care? It is concerning. It can be scary. Um, you really don't want any curveballs thrown at you during pregnancy. So when you do find out, there's going to be an interdisciplinary collaboration. Um, a lot of people will find that in addition to their obstetrician, sometimes they end up seeing an endocrinologist. They end up seeing a dietitian, And sometimes they even go as far as to you know, participate in physical therapy. So all of these people can help manage your gestational diabetes. Um, This is the best course of treatment. All of these providers can monitor good control of blood glucose levels, and the team will also keep watch over other things during and after the pregnancy. Some examples of things that can be monitored by your team would be that gestational diabetes can cause insufficient milk production or delay. So women often think of that saying after the baby is born when your milk comes in, usually between 48 and 72 hours after the birth. This can be delayed in a situation where a mom is um, experiencing gestational diabetes or was previously diabetic previous to the pregnancy. Um, Lactation help is essential. 
So um, that support is, is really necessary when moving forward after the birth. So even with or without the presence of obesity, gestational diabetes increases the risk for delayed lactation. So mothers with type 1 diabetes that remains uncontrolled within their pregnancy have also reported cases of delayed milk production. Another thing for monitoring is altered fetal growth patterns. So uh, one of the more common things that people think about when they connect uh, pregnancy to diabetes is a larger than average baby. Mm -hmm. Um, We call that large for gestational age, and it's very common. So this increases the risk of an emergency cesarean delivery and, again, with the delayed breastfeeding. So this is in pre-gestational, gestational diabetic women or women with type 2 in pregnancy, this is particularly uh, an area of concern for monitoring. So some dietary things to consider as well. Um, lactating mothers lose weight quicker. Mm-hmm. So that's probably one of the more happy facts yeah. <laughs> about uh, lactation being, you know, helping when you're really wanting to be ready for that time to come when mm-hmm. you can kind of get back to normal if you're experiencing gestational diabetes. You know, there's always that hope that, oh, my gosh, the baby's going to be born and this ends, Right. you know. Right. Um, staying healthy and keeping on track. So it it definitely gets your mind in the right space for doing that. Um, Breastfeeding helps shed that weight. Mm -hmm. So if what you don't want to do is shed weight rapidly. Mm -hmm. So weight loss under a kilogram weekly is fine for breastfeeding, but more weight loss is not recommended. And exercise has no effect on these things. So you can exercise as much as you want to exercise after you've been cleared by your obstetrician after your six-week you know, yeah. postpartum visit. It doesn't affect lactation. And you can exercise during pregnancy as mm-hmm. well. Oh, it's a good thing, definitely. To, Very to much so. so Very healthy. Are, yeah, and those are things that um, your team will help you get in order so that you can manage this gestational diabetes in your pregnancy. So another big question and a big concern for moms who are diabetic or experiencing gestational diabetes is, will my baby be okay? Am I going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? Um, So being compliant with your team is essential to that. Uh, Managing diabetes can be very challenging, but it's important. It's important to understand how you can manage it. And while it adds a variable of uncertainty to your pregnancy and to how your labor and your delivery will go, some things are good to know beforehand. So educating yourself helps throughout the process. Um, some good things to know are, so after the baby is born, skin-to-skin contact is best for all babies in all conditions, but especially newborns with unstable glucose levels that need assistance. So neonatal hypoglycemia is a, a medical term for low blood sugar levels, and it is a very common metabolic problem in newborns. Um, one of the major problems in infants born following a pregnancy complicated by diabetes is hypoglycemia because glucose freely passes through the placenta, and maternal hypoglycemia is associated with gestational diabetes results in elevated glucose levels in the baby, causing excess fetal insulin production. So in addition to -to skin-to-skin contact, prenatally expressed colostrum can help stabilize a baby's glucose levels. So can dads do the skin-to-skin as well? Yeah. Helpful to them? It's very, very helpful. So um, 
really skin to skin's huge benefits are that they are making an instant connection with the caregiver and mom and dad are both excellent candidates to provide skin to skin to a baby. So the facts are is that mothers with type 2 diabetes are less likely to breastfeed than their non-diabetic counterparts, but exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months of life is a healthy beginning for all babies. This can help to counteract the diabetic tendencies that run in family lines. So in addition to being able to help the mother and the baby return their sugar levels, their insulin levels, their bodies back to this situation or case that they were in before the gestational diabetes, this helps the new baby be genetically predisposed to having a healthier lifestyle Mm -hmm. when they're exclusively breastfed for the first six months of life. Um, The American Academy of Pediatrics supports breastfeeding up to two years now. Mm -hmm. So the benefits are really endless. So the longer that you can do that, this also, uh, you're decreasing the child's susceptibility to diabetes, which connects to high blood pressure, which yep. connects to heart disease, which connects to obesity. And then when they have children, mm-hmm. you have that head start. Mm-hmm. So for mom and baby, breastfeeding helps tremendously. So another really important service that we offer here at the Cass County Health Department is WIC, Women, Infants, and Children. So if you are a pregnant mom or if you're a new mom and you are, you know, a qualifying participant for WIC, we do have breastfeeding peer counselors that are here to help you with breastfeeding as well. They're here to help with nutrition, you know, frequently asked questions, frequently solved problems. So if you think that WIC is of interest to you or that you may qualify, you know, please reach out here to the health department and we will get you connected with the appropriate services. So another phase in a women's life that might be harder for diabetes is menopause. Um, during menopause, your body produces less estrogen, which can cause unpredictable, unpredictable up and downs in your blood sugar. Um, Women can gain weight due to these hormonal changes, which increases your need for insulin or other medications. Um, They have hot flashes and night sweats that may disrupt sleep, making it harder to manage those blood sugar levels sometimes. And then sexual problems occur as well. Um, This is a good time to speak with your doctor about these changes and how they can be managed a little bit better. But good thing for women is that it can be managed with healthy diet, exercise program, um, drinking plenty of water, managing your stress, Um, maintaining a healthy weight, and working with your doctor regularly. So this was just a broad and simple overview of what diabetes is for our listeners. If you'd like to get more detailed information on diabetes, you can schedule an appointment with us here at the Cass County Health Department, and we can help to educate and guide you to manage and control diabetes if you've been diagnosed with it. Or if you're concerned with being pre-diabetic and want to learn ways to get a healthier lifestyle, prevent it, or reverse it, we're here as well. Or you can speak with your doctor or physician about it as well. Um, there are also registered dietitians and diabetic educators out there that can assist, can assist you a great deal with your eating habits. And that can be scheduled or connected as well through your doctor or physician's clinic. There are some other great resources that I will suggest if you'd like to do a little more research on your own. Um, cdc.gov slash diabetes has a lot of information explaining what diabetes is and suggestions on how to manage it. Diabetes.org is another good source that offers lifestyle changes and a lot of healthy recipes. 
And also there's the Cleveland Clinic and the Mayo Clinic that are also great places to do more research. So that is all that we have for today. And we hope this HealthCast has been informative and helpful to our listeners. We bring information to you to educate and enlighten the public on the importance of various health concerns and topics that would be beneficial to the improvement of health and well-being for our community. Funding for this podcast was provided in whole or in part by the Illinois Department of Public Health, the Office of Women's Health. The Cass County HealthCast was a project of the Cass County Health Department in Cass County, Illinois. The information given today's podcast is not the personal opinions of views or those speaking, and is information gathered and distributed for the sole purpose of health education and promotion. If you have any questions or you would like to suggest a topic, please call the Cass County Health Department at 217-452-3057 and ask for Louise or Hillary. Also, please visit us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can visit us on our website at www.cascohealth.org. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay well.